0: I'm Travis.
1: I'm Kay. I'm Bob.
2: I'm Fabio. I'm Brian. And this is Comics First.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Verse podcast. I'm Travis Zapp, the editor in chief of Comics Verse, here to kick off a brand new uh, podcast series for us, which is focusing on underrated characters in comics. And we're going to be kicking off with Martian Manhunter. Joining me today, we've got quite a few of the uh, Comics Verse faces that I'm sure many of you uh, recurring listeners will recognize. So uh, let's go around the room, say hello, um, and what you do here at Comics Verse, and maybe uh, how you feel about martian manhunter after doing the reading for this podcast all right so let's start off with Kay.
3: hi i'm Kay honda i'm production coordinator for Comicsverse, whatever that means i uh this was kind of like an introductory course for me for martian manhunter as well and um yeah i've already i've always uh, been familiar with him but um after doing the reading i find him perfect
0: okay well and joining us also is bob bob go ahead say hi Hi, I'm Bob. I'm new to
1: the podcast, but I've been a, a writer for a couple months and I also help out with other office duties. Um, Martian Manhunter to me is if Superman
0: didn't have a micro penis. That's definitely an interesting uh, point of view. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) Fabio, how do you feel? Uh, Oh, hey, I'm Fabio. I'm
4: a writer, podcaster for ComicsVerse. And after reading the Martian Manhunter comics, I feel like he's almost like a a necessary character in like every sort of team. I think every team needs that kind of individual that sort of is like the heart and soul and the voice of reason. And I really liked him
0: for that. Interesting. So, uh, you you have a much more fond opinion of Martian Manhunter than I think I do. But we'll dive into that in a little bit. Brian, how about you thinking, or what are you thinking?
2: Hi, I'm Brian Del Pozo, staff writer, social media specialist, podcaster, all around funny voice guy. And um, I like Martian Manhunter, but I feel like he he really works more as part of a team. I think as a standalone character, he he's he's not the most interesting. I'm sure we'll get into we'll get into why.
0: Yeah, I think that is sort of my general feeling as well. He he I get what you're saying Fabio in terms of saying that at times he feels like the heart and soul of the team, but I feel like at other times he feels like the most unnecessary piece of the puzzle. Um
3: How dare you?
2: I I also feel like that a lot of the oh the Martian Manhunter is the heart and soul of the Justice League. I feel like the only reason that he's kind of seen as that is because so many writers have just said that. Like like to me if you take uh, you know, look look at the new Fifty Two, and I'm no big fan of the new Fifty Two, but essentially you lifted out Martian Manhunter for Cyborg in the Justice League, and it it didn't work any better or any worse replacing that member of the team. I mean, you know, I I get to your point, kind of what makes him so identifiable with the Justice League is I think he's the he's the only hero on the team of, as far as the Big Seven and the original JLA members. He's the only one that's not necessarily identifiable outside of the group.
0: Yeah, literally like everybody else in the original cast has like the ability to stand on their own. And I feel right. like, well, I mean, I guess we're going to be talking about that I like, a, so a lot don't today agree as far that, as whether okay, or not. Cool. We're going to be talking about that today as far as whether or not Martian Manhunter does stand on his own. Yeah, y'all um, are wrong. So we'll, uh, we'll be diving more into that in a moment That's here. Exciting. But uh, I just want to remind everyone listening out there that you can find us on the web. Uh, we're all over social media, Facebook. Google, Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, If you're listening to the podcast, you know you can find that on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker. We're literally all over the internet. You look for ComicsVerse, you're going to find us somewhere. So keep listening, spread the word, and bring some new listeners in because we've got a lot of really cool uh, episodes coming up um, in this series and beyond. Uh, We've got a feminist podcast, so make sure that you're uh, staying tuned because there's a lot of exciting new developments coming up in the future of ComicsVerse. To kick off, though, our Martian Manhunter discussion, let's begin with a little bit of history about the character himself. So, Brian, let's start with you. The beginning of Martian Manhunter, where does the story start?
2: uh the character was introduced in 1955 by DC Comics and basically he's kind of introduced as quite literally like an alien character it's a very 50s kind of sci-fi conceit and initially the Martian Manhunter is kind of portrayed as a more or less like we didn't we didn't read any of these but if you read like his very very early appearances he's more or less a typical superhero who just happens to be a Martian he's his alter ego is a detective John Jones you know he comes across crimes he solves them as a martian manhunter his power set and i think one of the things that makes Martian that does make martian manhunter cool and an interesting character going forward is he's a really fascinating mix of power sets he he has uh if you want to call it laser vision heat vision whatever terminology you want to use he can shoot lasers out of his eyes he can he can become intangible he can shape shift he can fly he has some sort of equivalent of what To a human would be super strength. So he.
0: He basically has the power to make Superman redundant. And then some. (laughs)
2: Except he never does, which is like a conversation for later in the podcast, I guess. And uh, he was a successful character, but not necessarily a massively successful character. Uh, He was introduced uh, when the Justice League was introduced in the Brave and the Bold in the early 60s and then spun off into its own title. He was one of the founding members of the Justice League, as we discussed. And I kind of think, like Fabio brought up before, the Heart and Soul thing, I think that comes from the fact that more or less in every incarnation of the Justice League since its first one fifty years ago, Martian Manhunter has been a part of it. Some teams he's been a bigger part than others. You know, uh the satellite era he's there, the Detroit era he's there, the Grant Morrison era, he's there, the post Morrison JLA era, he's there. The I think he's is he on I believe he's on the Brad Meltzer era team, though not as big a part. He's in the the Justice League Unlimited TV show, the, the movies, et cetera, et cetera, the animated movies.
0: Yeah, he's definitely been around a lot, but he wasn't always here on Earth. Fabio, could you tell us a little bit about Martian Manhunter's background and his character's personal history and his life on Mars and life before Earth?
4: All right, well, um, uh, John Johns was originally, he's from Mars, and he lived there for centuries. Like, when Earth was just starting, Mars had already been around. They already been have many civilizations there. He had a wife and a daughter and a twin brother who was uh, deformed, essentially. He did not possess the power of telepathy like other Martians did, and he resented everyone for that, And which provoked, which eventually had him create this sort of a virus, which ultimately played off the fear and weakness of all the martians of fire and the event and, and john wasn't by this because he was essentially separated from the telepathy of everybody so whenever they use their telepathic powers they'd be affected by this virus ultimately killing them and but and what i think uh, john was doing what happened with john was that he was already an adult this time so when he lost all of his family i think it hurts a little bit more than it did superman because he had he he loved his family he knew them he knew his race he was aware of this culture and now that all just was ripped away from him right at a very old age
0: yeah so just like superman we have this uh, last of your kind kind of dynamic going on but in the readings that we did for this we find out that that's not necessarily the case bob or Kay, do you want to kind of Talk to that.
1: Well, some part of his discovery or origin is a little bit different than that. It also has, back in Mars, again, way before humans were around, there was two races of Martians, actually one race, and then it split into two. The green and white, and uh, basically the white was pulled away from the original species because it was too violent, but it also had some morality, but now the green... Martians are the moral ones and the white are just violent, chaotic. And um, some of his storylines have the two races wiping each other out, except for John. He's the last remaining survivor completely. And then he's just, I guess he's just trapped in Mars or something and he comes back to Earth. He comes to Earth and he starts as like a, uh, just a detective trying to help human society. Uh, That's where his morals and his goes. And um, yeah, but others have that that same genocide of the two species killing each other off but the white martians still come back or yeah and then that's pretty much where the new book is
3: well i guess just to like talk about what i think about the comparison between martian manhunter and superman's origins and how you know similar or whatever they are i think the reason why i found martian manhunter so important at least to me on a personal level was because you know of course um, Superman also feels like similar, if not the same kind of isolation or loneliness on earth, even though he's trying to make it his home and everything. And, you know, especially in response to having an, an origin story that very much, well, like my first point, I guess, is that with Superman, at least he can appear like physically acceptable to earth humans
0: yeah without having to put any effort into it too like he's just automatically appearing it john has to really put an effort forth into concealing who he is
3: right and like uh for much manhunter like any permutation of his origins however different or the same they are they are always focusing on just uh judgment or discrimination or segregation of some kind and of course everyone can feel that on a certain level but i think that's why I think Martian Manhunter is so important, especially to the League, because like he does, he has the same aura, has like a similar desire as Superman to make Earth his home and protect it and be good. But then he also has so much of this weird, like that pain still of like trying to make sense of getting along with other people, especially people who don't look like him and then trying to fit in, quote unquote, fit in, but then also realizing that that might not happen.
0: Yeah, I think that idea of alienation and segregation is so key to Martian Manhunter and who he is as a character. And and I mean, I think you bring up a very interesting point with the whole idea, Bob, about um, there being the white and the green Martians back on Mars, because we see this, you know, sort of segregation, this alienation from uh, or towards John Jones when he's on Earth. Everyone sees him in his normal form. And oh, my God, he's a monster. We're going to immediately run away. And there's still that sort of segregation occurring back on Mars, which I find particularly interesting. You know, there's these white Martians who just are super violent, who just are going to attack, who just are going to destroy some shit. And I guess what I'm saying is like, where's this sort of balance here? What's this message in having this racial tension back on Mars now being played out in this uh, playing field on Earth with the hero and center of this story being somebody who has been a victim of such alienation through basically his his entire life on Earth anyway?
1: Well, I think it's definitely a I would say like Superman and Martian Manor have a similar morality and viewpoint, but not completely. They're always like challenging each other's ideas. but the two different ways they have experienced their family as lost is John has seen it with his own eyes as an adult, and Superman still had that family just not he's pretty much he's adopted, so he could be an alien, but he can still. He could have still passed off as a human if he really wanted to. And John never had to go to Earth, even though he isolated himself from Mars and Mars for like thousands of years. He decided that he needed to do something for another civilization. But I'm sorry, what'd you say? The second
0: half? The, uh, the parallels between the racism on Mars and the alienation that he was feeling on Earth, I just found a very interesting parallel there, um, particularly in the uh, Brave New World story, where that whole theme of sort of this racial tension seemed to be such a pervading theme throughout the uh, the series there, that I was wondering what exactly was the message supposed to be? Because, you know, we're seeing the victim of this alienation and how that's affecting him. But then we're also seeing a different side of this coin where that segregation is almost serving him in a way because it's a warning system. I know that all of these aliens are like this and that this is going to happen because of this. So I need to go attack them and you know, stop their plan. Like, I don't, I, there was just a, a strange balance there I, or something. Um, I don't know.
3: I mean, I think that the message as you know as simplified as maybe it's too simplified but as simplified as it is that this idea of racial tension or segregation or isolation or alienation of a group is always going to exist it's like like i hate to be that person but it parallels to you know how like doom patrol or x-men are like they're just like the freaks or like whatever or like they're the other and it's just really interesting to me because while i was reading the 97 comic series it was interesting that like there were so many others and it's it's bizarre because I think what you're talking about just goes to show how there in a weird way there's just always going to be groups. There's always going to be clicks. There's always gonna be a way that we separate from each other or, you know, whatever. But the important thing about it is to find a compromise with each other or being able to work together when it's necessary. Because yeah, I, I agree with you that it is funny because in a weird way the his Martian Manhunter's understanding of the racial tension on Mars does help him, but at the same time, like you know, it's interesting. It's it's kind of it's like understanding and acknowledging the difference versus, like, hating another group, which he struggles with in the story, I think.
0: You bring forth a really, really good point, though, about being able to work together for a common goal, because, and even to understand the the feelings of this, uh, I I guess, racism, you know, there's this idea that white Martians are a certain way. And I think that John Jones actually does a really good makes a really good attempt at trying to overcome that sort of, uh, understanding and stereotyping of, uh, the white Martians, because he goes out of his way to not harm them. He, you know, with the exception of, uh, you know, there's one white Martian that he can't avoid killing. Um, he, you know, knocks them out, puts them into comas that aren't going to cause permanent damage, and then ultimately is able to work together with one of the white Martians to overcome the ultimate evil of the, uh, story. So I think that's a very, very good point that, maybe this sort of grouping, this uh, segregation might always exist, but I guess it doesn't need to. And the fact that it's there only kind of promotes this sort of uh, cycle of violence.
3: Well, I think it's also just about intent versus an idea too, because it's really easy to be like, oh, this is just like my belief system. It's like any belief system that exists right now, or forever or has. And it's just like, it's really easy to it's like a easy way out to just be like, oh, well, I've seen X amount of things and I've experienced all these things. So now I think that this group of people are particularly like this, you know, because especially when you think about the history of Earth and Mars, like in the story. So... It's being able to find that understandable. But like you said, it's just finding that common goal. Because I just remember a specific page on the. I am sorry, I don't remember any of the titles. I think it's Brave New World. And there's a part where Martian Manhunter just say, like, you know, quote unquote, saves all his, you know, brothers basically. And he's excited. He's excited to have like this part of his you know, his heritage or his background back and like feeling not alone for a second. But it just doesn't matter because or like not that it doesn't matter, but it's just they're so stuck in a certain idea. And they're like, are you on their side or ours? Like, who are you even? And he responds with saying like yours and theirs. Like it's not like it's not about sides. It's yeah. So basically, it's about groups versus sides. It doesn't have to be adversarial. But with groups, it's always going to be like that. And I think that's why I'm to me martian manhunter and any story that he's in is so important to me because he he still goes through very i, I hate to say the word human because he's not human but like very like important emotion relatable emotions of like feeling a lot of anger and humiliation and shame and like it's just i don't know like i think he's really important <laughs> he's a tortured soul
0: yeah very much so Brian, Fabio, did either of you have anything you it there looked at various points that you guys were like about to say something. No? Okay. Um well,
4: actually actually I wanted to all just right, go throw ahead. some look at what uh, Kay was saying. That yeah, there what Martian Manhunter is is like there always is going to be groups, but I think what he is is sort of like with many other superheroes from other worlds or exist in two planes, they sort of are the bond the bond, the bond or the breach between the two of them. Like Superman is or Aquaman is from the sea to the land, and Superman is from Krypton to the earth, So he provides that for the Martian and to the Earthling, showing that you can be part of your own individual groups, but we can work together.
1: I would actually like to, I think Martian Manhunter is actually a mix of Superman and Batman. He has Superman's powers and the, the whole idea that he's an alien, but he has Batman's, not the same anger, but he has the same goals. Uh, he's witnessed genocide and he's, you know, he's the last one and Bruce is the last one of his family. He has Alfred, but he's still compelled to save his city, and I think that's what John wants to do with humanity because humanity, there's so many genocides that we have committed on ourselves, ethnic cleansings, what's going on in society now with terrorist groups, extremists, just crazy crap like that, and uh, that's why I find him and his backstory just incredibly interesting that he would still after all these years of isolation come back and decide to help some like when he comes back he just he just becomes a detective as and um just as a person or you know shapeshifts into a regular person instead of his green shapeshift which is not his real form anyway so i just find that just completely admirable and uh yeah it took him a long time to get to that mental standpoint like he's just again in static but yeah i think it's completely that's why i love him as a character
2: Actually, just to pick up on something Bob said, and this was something I wanted to bring up, it's it's not it's kind of veering off a little bit of the track the way this conversation started. But one of the more fascinating things with me about Martian Manhunter, and this this got a, this this has gotten more play as years have gone on, and has his portrayal has changed a little bit, is I love the idea that he kind of has so many multiple facets of his identity. Like you have his actual Martian form, you have his you know, his various identities that he overtakes on Earth and what those various human identities look like. And then you have his most recognizable form as the Martian Manhunter, where he is a Martian superhero, but that's not actually what he looks like at all. And and I I kind of find that like fascinating. And I mean I, I I assume that from like a from an outside meta standpoint, the idea was to just make him look like more of a traditional superhero in in the fifties. But from an internal standpoint and in reading of the character, I think it's really interesting that He's different and realizes he's different but even his different alien superhero visage is something that he alters to make more acceptable to right. humanity
3: Well, it's interesting that you say that because it reminds me like I'm sure um listeners and contributors alike will remember that uh, in previous podcasts we've talked about Susan Batson's truth and how we talk about um, tragic flaw public persona in need and it's really interesting that you brought that up Brian because I do think that you're right that Martian manhunter, has a need to be accepted for however whatever his true like quote unquote true visage is just physically and then the public persona is like I have to look at least a little bit publicly you know acceptable and it's like this weird line he writes too because he could totally just look like a human being if he wanted to and still have all his powers like he's done that to before even if it's like a joke he like people will be like i can't let you in because you're not wearing pants or whatever and he's like okay i'll wear a suit and like looks like a, a weird you know generic human or whatever and it's funny that like i agree that not only is there so many facets to his his character but there's also this weird compromise he makes with himself where he's still green he still has red eyes he still wears certain colors from his martian background but he makes his head look a little bit more human
2: right like he's still alien but he's not he's not alien to the point where he would be unrecognizable to a human being
1: but also when he does come as a human form completely there are portrayals of him in some series, I think it's called American Secrets in the 80s, where he's a white person, but most often he's portrayed as an African-American. And there is something to that fact that he chooses to be a minority within the human society, within American society. And that's also really fascinating to his logic, to his morality and what he's trying to discover with himself and with uh, living organisms, I guess, in general. So, yeah, I think that's really a really compelling thought to expand on.
0: And then the new 52's actually taken that whole idea and really run across the board with it, where for what, the first five, six issues, he was split into like seven, four, four different, all right, four different, I was going to give him more credit, <laughs> uh, four different uh, aspects of himself or at least that we know of maybe there's others out there that we haven't been told about yet so i think the the different representations that we get there are also uh, pretty revealing as to uh, who john jones is you know we got that sort of subconscious desire for biscuits we've got the wise old man who like is always thinking about what should be done we've got the young girl who is just following her heart and then you've got the policeman who's sort of like fighting for justice and like seeing all four of these different aspects and while you're reading like it it does totally make sense like once you find out what's going on you're like okay like yeah I, i can see how this is like the subconscious desires and how this is like that you know thirst for justice or the doing the right thing i just thought that that was uh very very interesting uh the way that all of that uh was done and one thing that i thought though about uh His personality that I I think I disagree with you a little bit with something you said earlier, Bob, about him being a combination of, like, Superman and Batman. I feel like he's a little bit more of a combination of, like, Superman and Aquaman. But if you take away Aquaman's sort of arrogance and Superman's, like, Boy Scout tendencies... Like, there's a, a confrontation at some point, I think it was during Brave New World, between Superman and John Jones, where Superman's kind of like, look, I have no family too, I'm the only one left on my planet, and his whole attitude is just sort of like, deal with it. Like, this is a thing, like, get over it, like, it sucks, I know, I've been there. And John Jones, yeah, I think somebody said it before, was like, basically, like, you have a family here, you have a life here, I had a whole life that I actually lost you didn't go through any of that and i don't think he says it exactly like that but like that's sort of the the same general idea so i think that there's like definitely that you know last surviving son of krypton kind of thing to him but i think where we get that aspect of superman i think the whole idea of being the other comes from that aquaman side of his character where aquaman is You know, no pun intended, but he's a fish out of water wherever he goes. He's on land, he has to be carried around to fly and get places, and so you have, like, that bond between those two characters of, like, yeah, we both don't really know what's going on with these people on Earth, on land, so they can bond over that while he can bond with Superman over, like, the being the last people left from their planet kind of thing. I don't really see that sort of dark and brooding thirst for justice uh, side that you get from Bruce Wayne and like while I see the the whole standpoint of like he is the last Wayne, Bruce Wayne has every opportunity. To go out, meet some chick, fall in love, have a kid, and stop himself from being the last Wayne. And through adopting the
2: kid becomes really annoying and becomes Robin and (laughs) and then then
0: gets superpowers and yeah.
3: No, but I think everyone I think that what everyone is saying is valid. But I think that's why Martian Manhunter is important because like notice how we've just talked about how he is different. Like, he's like, we've just been talking about how he is like other characters, but combined in one, which makes sense because all of his powers are about shapeshifting. His personality is about trying to fit in somewhere and also not succeeding and trying to find compromise somewhere. Part of his personality is that he's super, like, um, he finds it really important to understand humans and people um, because he wants to engage with them. And oftentimes by trying to, you know, study them, he isolates them, but he isolates them further. But I think that it's valid and really cool that he that we can be like, oh, Martian Manhunter has elements of this person and this person and this person. And he's like a mix of all these people, because I do think that he is like Batman in the sense that only in the sense that the way Batman feels about Gotham, I can see Martian Manhunter or Superman feel about Earth or just but maybe without so much like because Batman's a lot more cagey about defending his own city. He doesn't want other people involved. And then Martian Manhunter is has that desire to protect humanity but also very much wants to be a part of that humanity.
0: I guess my my biggest thing with the comparison to Batman is I just don't really see that personality in John Jones. Like I see like when when if we're looking at the new 52 and we're looking at that breakdown of the four different aspects of his personality, I don't see a young Indian thief who follows her heart and is in love with Aquaman as being too similar to Batman. I don't see the hermit that looks like an alien and is driven by a desire for biscuits pretty much entirely as being too similar to Batman. I don't see the the closest that we have is the cop who is driven for justice. And even he seems to have absolutely no idea what's really going on at any point in time. And the wisest person that they have is so easily manipulated by the rest of the aliens going, hey, you want to save Mars though, right? That like, I don't see that sort of Strong force of will that you get from Batman, like that—that that actually the way that those personalities were broken down or those traits were broken down actually kind of made me think that Martian Manhunter was sort of a weak character and an image, an immature character personality-wise. Like
3: I don't, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't.
2: I'm not necessarily fully disagreeing, but I, I think that it's kind of if we're talking about the overall character, I think it's kind of unfair to pick like at that one storyline because I actually would argue that he's more similar to, to Superman than he, uh, to Batman rather than he is to Superman. But actually for for a different reason that people haven't said, so I guess, um, so I'll say it. And that is, you know, we, we've touched on his Superman similar powers and his shape shifting, but we haven't really at all, I think briefly Fabio did and then nobody else, we haven't touched on the fact that Martian Manhunter is an incredibly cerebral character that for all of his strength and for all of the, you know, physically destructive capabilities that he could have, uh, so much of what he does is built on his psychic powers, his abilities to read minds, his abilities to read people, his abilities to read situations, which I think, uh, which to me anyway, is
1: very similar to Bruce Wayne. But he's also really uncomfortable often using
0: those powers. Which I think is probably the most interesting aspect of his character. To I be honest, I think that
3: totally makes sense to his character, though. Yeah. Also, I, I'm, I'm not saying yeah, it doesn't, no, no, but, yeah, yeah, of course. But I think also like with with the, I guess just to like, I, I mean, we're trying to get away from the Batman thing, but like, like I get that. I think I know what you're saying, Brian. It's just that to me, in a weird way, I don't know. I think that Batman's a lot more fatalistic or nihilistic than Martian Manhunter, and Martian Manhunter, like. I I think what you see as him being immature is this weird, like, naive aspect to him of him just being like, but this has to work because like, or I have to be able to figure this out. Like, I have to be able to relate to these people. And that's something Batman does not have because Batman's already like, you know what? I'm on like one way ticket to hell already. I'm already there. Like only I can do this, you know, like,
0: so. I'm so glad you brought up the word naive because like that is like the word I would have used to describe Martian Manhunter in like throughout the three main titles that we read. Like we saw a lot of naivete in uh, Justice League of America year one and a lot of paranoia also. And this was also a situation where his lack of willingness to use his powers Actually ended up being extremely unhelpful because if he had just used his powers to figure out who these people were and whether or not he could trust them, then he doesn't need to sneak around and make like 12 different versions of himself to spy on everybody, have all these files that everybody can see that causes almost the near destruction of every superhero on Earth.
3: Yeah, well, because he's afraid to engage
0: Well, he doesn't even need to engage though. He's just
3: cerebral and he wants to engage, but he wants to know he wants to be sure that he's doing everything right while while Aquaman's just like I don't care like
0: Okay. If we're worried about doing everything right then then what about in brave new world where he completely using again his naivete overlooks every procedure and every character's advice about what he should be doing and how he's going about things the wrong way because all that he wants to think and do and see is that he's got more martians other than him
3: well because he will always like any narrative that you we see him and he's trying to fit in right and it's and, sad because you're just like so in the first one even though everyone like it seems that aquaman is more the Kind of the outcast or the one that's left out in the league. It's just it like he like it's not it's not good enough for a Martian Manhunter to be part of the team. Like he has to be constant. I feel like in a weird way, maybe it it makes it sound so needy when I put it this way, but he needs constant validation that. People won't turn on him.
0: But no, he doesn't need that because we see in Brave New World when everyone is telling him he's, they're not standing with him and they don't agree with what he's doing. He has no real concerns no, but about I that. I know,
3: but that's because he's, it, he needs to be part of a group. It doesn't matter which it group which it group is.
4: is. I think he was choosing the Martians over his Earth, their Earth friends because he feels more connection with that. I think gotcha. he was just choosing over
3: them. I also think it's circumstantial, though, because if if he was still under the impression that he was the last person on Mars, he would be like my Earth friends obviously come first. But because he was like, became almost obsessed with this idea that he wasn't the only one. then he's like, of course, I don't want to be the only one anymore. So, yeah, I am going to pick this group over you because they're my family. Like, this is all I have, you know. So, like, yeah, I agree with.
0: Well, then I still feel like we're ending with a character who follows his heart. And emotions more than his head, which I think still comes back to my feelings that this is a character who is a little bit more immature than some of the other... Like, like the Superman and the Batman of the Justice League. I feel like John Jones... And a lot of it comes from being an off-worlder. He doesn't know how things are. He's learning about how Earth works. But he's also, like, a warrior and shit. So a lot of the stuff about, like, working with a team is, like, the kind of thing that you don't need to be from Earth to know.
1: No, because the green Martians were not warriors. And also, I don't think you're putting into perspective all the crap that he went through like for me what I find redeeming about him is what I well I what I connect to is like characters with depression and he has these battles he has these I mean he was a guy who literally was frozen in fear after seeing his whole entire race just completely wiped out like there's no there's no way anybody can say they know what that's like unless you are you know, a member of a surviving genocide. I mean, it's just, but even so, there's still other people. There's nothing left of him in most cases. I mean, of course, you know, even Superman has, you know, relatives or they squeak one out. I just think that he does think with his soul, I mean, his heart, because he's not human. He's a different being. He's not, and he's he's definitely, he's damaged. It's just...
3: Also before you go into whatever you're going into Brian it's like related because he said this before about how it's really interesting that all of his powers are really cerebral because and like you were saying I think someone was saying yeah I think it was you Travis that was saying that he's seemingly or maybe it was Bob it doesn't matter somebody was saying that it's funny because even though that those are his strongest powers he's most uncomfortable with that because it's like not just it's not just a cerebral thing it's it for him it's very empathetic and I think also In response to what you were saying about how he comes from at least a civilization that had warriors or or like, you know, had any. Well, he was
0: designed to be the ultimate weapon. Right. Okay. so. So
3: exactly. So there's that. But to me, I think what makes me so crazy about it is
1: because. So was the Iron Giant.
3: Like. Oh my
0: God! I'm gonna well, I'm, I'm okay. we're just we're just saying that you know he does come from a warrior class of people. He was designed to be the ultimate weapon, so he's definitely coming from a warrior class of people.
3: Right, but you can't just expect him to be stoic like everyone else, especially in the face of the fact that he's a f- minority. I'm not expecting that's going to that's gonna be like that's going to make you have a very visceral, passionate and maybe unreasonable reaction. Like, look at what's happening in the world right now.
0: I'm not expecting him to be completely right about everything all the time. But what I'm saying is that he is extremely naive about things that he shouldn't be extremely naive about that don't depend on having earthly knowledge. Or- well, it's not
3: about should or not, because like, again, what Bob was saying, like he's a damaged person. Like he has he's been through a lot. Like not I'm not saying that it makes any of it excusable in any way, but it's like explanatory because, yeah, like if you're going to pick a tragic flaw, naivete isn't great. But like, you know, just it's it's kind of it's person by person. And when you look at Martian Manhunter, you can only at least for me, when I read him, it's very much like he's one of the very few characters where I'm like, I get that. Like, I know that you're messing up, but I get it.
2: I also just, you know, I think it's interesting to
3: to call naivete,
2: and, and obviously, you know, with comic book characters that are written by so many so many different writers, that and you know, one that's been around for sixty years, it, it's kind of tough to, you know, sometimes it's tough to get like an overarching feeling. Right. Yeah. So many have.
0: different interpretations.
2: But if you're talking about naivete, you know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, to look at it from a from uh from an inside the text standpoint we're quite liter- we're literally talking about an alien. We're looking at something that seems naive because of the way we as humans perceive things. He may see that the way that humans are going about it as naive. To him it may you know you're looking at something it's very simple. Like I I'm not naive, I'm not I'm not stupid. I just see things I just see things in a different way than you do. And you know I, it's funny cuz I I always compare John to this and I think there's a lot of writers who've done this and I'm going to like nerd myself even more than this conversation does but it's similar to uh Mr. Spock on Star Trek. It's a portrayal of yes, when you're looking at something f- through the lens of a human you may think oh that that character's being incredibly naive or that character's being incredibly um being an ass or isn't looking at isn't looking at things but of course they're not looking at things the way that a human being would they're not human beings. And you know to go you know a couple people brought this up but Yes, Superman is an alien, but Superman looks at things through a human being lens because Superman essentially grew up as a human being. So, you're know, depending on you're which, killing
3: me right now. I'm Emma. sorry. Yeah, you're doing the best. You're saying all the things that I appreciate. Just keep going. Sorry, I interrupted you just to tell you that That's I'm, no all I, I'm, I'm all about this. I problems. hope
0: your train of thought is still on its track.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now it veered off the cliff a long time ago. It's like back to the Future 3 territory over here. Um, But no, like Superman... Grew up on Earth, grew up essentially as a human being. Depending which version of his origin you're looking at, he didn't. Find, it wasn't either until he was a young child or a teenager that he even found out he was an alien. So, Superman, for all of the idea that he is an alien, the last of his kind, he looks at things through a human point of view. John doesn't, and it, it's interesting. Like I, I don't mean to rifle back to that, but that that to me is a key similarity between him and Batman. Obviously, Bruce Wayne's a human being, but Bruce Wayne looks at things through his very clear vision of what he thinks things are and how he thinks the world works. Like, it's funny, like, all I kept thinking before was we were talking about how he's not like Batman, but, oh, he's a character who's really paranoid and keeps files on everybody else, and uh, comes oh, up Oh, you mean with, the Tower of Babel storyline? Yeah, exactly. Comes up with a crazy scheme to get everybody, and, uh, you know, won't listen to any of his allies, and will only do things his way. We used all those to describe Martian Manhunter, all those could also describe Batman. That's
0: a good point. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of their... Their motivations, I think, are the, the biggest similarity I find between Batman and Martian Manhunter, in, in that Martian Manhunter lost his wife and uh, child, Batman lost his parents, and they're both still reeling from that. They Those are things that they'll never be able to avenge, but they have taken that desire for vengeance and turned it into something that is still a positive in other ways. Yeah. I also,
2: this is kind of going in a in a totally different direction than what we've been talking about but there was there was something that you know Kay brought up the shape-shifting earlier and there was something from from every from a lot of stuff that i've read about martian manhunter and from the text that we read specifically and i was discussing this with our carly sean bartley who's not on this podcast earlier i think that it's really interesting that a character who his power involves shape-shifting it, you know he's become very malleable in that you could tell a lot of different kinds of stories with him you know i mean of the of the books that we read if you look at the jla book it's a very you know almost 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 to the point of overkill silver age superheroic throwback book whereas the new 52 book it, it really almost read like a horror comic it read it, it, there are parts that really read like a suspense or horror book and i think that that is that's both a blessing and a curse for the character of Martian Manhunter in that he is super malleable and you can tell a superhero story or a science fiction or a straight science fiction story or a, a horror story or a, you know, a, a sci-fi horror story of, you know, the white Martians being these just absolutely terrifying, you know, uh, alien like creatures, like, like a xenomorph or something. But I, I feel like that kind of, because the character becomes so malleable, he doesn't have one set known identity. And it, it's hard to get a, it's hard to like gear what his archetype actually is. And I think in a way that ties back to what we've been talking about. Cause yeah, there are stories where he's written where he, he's similar to Aquaman. There are stories where he's written where he's similar to Batman. There are stories that are written where he's similar to Superman. But what it all comes down to is kind of like everything we've said. And I'm not necessarily knocking the character, I don't hate the character or anything. But so much of our conversation has revolved around what characters is he similar to? that I think it goes to show that there's really not an established archetypical Martian Manhunter identity. He kind of becomes malleable, which is, I think, why he ends up working so well in teams and why so many people have put him in the Justice League. Because depending how you write the Justice League, you can write him as the heart and soul character. You can write him as the outsider character, the paranoid outsider character. You can write him as the alien among humans. You can write him as the most human among the humans, even though he's an alien. And I, I think that, like I said, I think that that can be a good thing, but to try and get, like, a full picture of the Martian Manhunter becomes really
0: tricky. Fabio, you had something you wanted to say, and then uh, we're going to segment break.
4: Uh, I, I totally agree with uh, what Brian was saying, and also to bring up what Bob was saying about uh, the Martians not being sort of, like, warriors in a sense. Like, on Mars, they all were connected through telepathy, so there really wasn't any secrets with them, so that's why they work I think that's why Martian work, Martian Manhunter works so well as, in a, as a group and as a unit, and that's why he seeks that, but, I think that's why Martian Manhunter works so well as a team. That's how I that's usually, whenever he's written within the Just League or he's part of some sort of unit, that's when I like him the most, is because he he needs that. He needs to be part of something because it reminds, reminds him of, of back home.
2: Uh, just the one thing I want to say uh, you brought up his telepathy, and I want to say something, Kay, you said earlier about those are the powers that he's most hesitant to use. I, I always kind of read into that is that's
0: because they're the most. If it's specifically focusing on the powers, we're going to talk about that okay. in the next segment. Okay, okay. cool. Uh, we're going to start off uh, here. We're recording, by the way. We're going to start off talking about his powers. You were about to uh, make a point about the uh, how he doesn't use his psychic powers because they're like the most alien.
2: Well, yeah. I was just going to say that I-, I think in a way it's interesting. He can do all these phenomenal physical feats but like from a standpoint as a as a layperson in the DC universe and again like taking any kind of metatextual analysis out of it and just looking at it as if it were a real universe you see people fly like all the time but, you know the concept of the flash is something that's real it's something that yeah he's the flash he can run around the world he, you know he's the fastest not only man he's the fastest man alive but he's the fastest anything that there is so to you the concept of a shape changing green dude isn't that far off you know uh, you know you see superman shoot lasers out of his eyes you see superman fly you see superman with what we
0: would call super strength yeah, you've seen elastigirl and plastic man right. to do the shape-shifting
2: right like you see these things you see you know green lantern is a you don't you know human beings might not know the the, ber- the breath of the green lantern core but green lantern is a concept of something that they say oh magic ring makes stuff happen so to them those elements of martian manhunter aren't strange But the most alien element is his psychic powers and this concept of, like Kay was saying, no secrets, no lies, everyone being in each other's head. That's something that even if you try and explain it to a human being, like I'm talking about it right now and I can't even articulate it because I don't think that, we as singular creatures truly can understand it, and I think that that's why Jean is so reluctant to use those powers. And you know, th- this is kind of something that's played on in um, Justice League books. It's not necessarily brought up that much in the books that we've specifically read, but a- and especially in the Justice League cartoon, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with. You know, I, I also think the thing with Jean is Jean is trying to learn what exactly is the line for you men. so he he doesn't want to go poking around and reading people's minds because where's the line and to him being a, a a creature a being a being is a better word being a being that that is his intrinsic nature his intrinsic nature is just to for everyone to be a group mind all the time so i think he kind of errs on the side of caution because he doesn't necessarily know what is being invasive and what it what is not like you know if he's sitting at a if they're sitting at you know the the awesome Justice League table with the, the symbols on the back of the chairs. It's always such a great visual. Like, you know, he could essentially know what all of them are thinking at all times, but he doesn't because he doesn't want to cross that line of what would be invasive to humans. But that's that's something that he doesn't want to do because he doesn't want to cause harm or cause offense to his friends. But to him, that line is almost nonsensical, like we were talking about before, the concept of culture and different species to him it's you know to us that would be like, oh, it would be out of line for John to sit and you know read Batman's mind to learn that he's Bruce Wayne but from John's point of view, there are he comes from somewhere where there are no secrets there are to him, he can't even comprehend that as a as a concept, so when he does start comprehending it, he's very reluctant to use those powers because he doesn't want to cross the imaginary line into. Into offending humanity, unless he Mm -hmm. absolutely has to, unless he absolutely has to do it to, to, you know, stop a criminal or something.
0: It's very interesting. You, uh, the way that you phrased that kind of made me realize that John Jones is a much more empathetic character, I think, than I had realized before to have that power and recognize, like, wow, this is no big deal for me. Like, if I was somebody who. You know, came from Mars. I've always read everyone's mind because that's just the way that I live. I mean, I'm wondering, like, when he first got to Earth, how long did it take him before he realized, oh, shit, people really don't like when I do that? Oh, my God, I got to stop that, you know? Like... Because that's not even a thought that somebody would be sitting there having. Like, boy, I really hope nobody's reading my mind right now. I would be really pissed off. So, like, at what point did he, like, learn something that somebody was thinking, talk to that person about it, and then be like, oh, my God, you read my... That's, like, a huge invasion of privacy. And, like, for them, for him to then, like, have that understanding and be like, oh, shit, like, don't do that anymore. And like,
2: then, too, I would think, like... um, you know, and I'm kind of pulling hypothetical. I don't know if there's ever been a story that's ever shown this, but it's like, I would think that it would probably get confusing to him too. Like if you're, if you, it's, oh, if he uses his, to le- if he uses his psychic powers to realize that someone's about to murder someone else and he stops them that's a heroic act and good for him but if he uses it to read the flash's mind and find out what his secret identity is like the first time he met him that would be an invasion of privacy and i, I would ju- how does a being who has no conception of that realize why you know what i mean
0: i mean that's not even an, an easy question for us to answer as people who are aware of this whole idea of privacy so for somebody who doesn't even know the concept privacy, like, I can't imagine trying to navigate that obstacle course. One thing that I think is very interesting about his powers, though, I said this earlier, is, I mean, he seems to be so, like, match-for-match with superman inability like okay laser eyes super strength ability to fly and let's take it a step further can phase in and out of objects can read people's minds can sort of do like a little bit of a hypnosis mind control thing at times when he wants to can change size shape become literally anything and a lot of things that i've never heard of seen or imagined because they're ancient martian beasts that he knows about like so and, and I hate to keep comparing him to other characters, but I feel like this, he, he very much is a character whose presence almost makes Superman kind of unnecessary on the team. Like they made such a big deal in Justice League year one, like, oh my God, we're going to ask Superman, is Superman going to join the team? Like, oh my God, Superman, Superman. And I'm like, you guys have somebody who can do everything Superman does and then some? So like, why does it make a difference?
3: Because he's an immigrant and Superman's white. I can
0: see that
2: being Hal Jordan's reasoning.
3: <laughs> so why would they care that Martian Manhunter could do all the same things?
0: I'm just saying, like, from, like, a a writing perspective, like, I get what you're saying, that, like, in terms of, like, the way that politics work in our world, like, the character was Superman, he's super popular, they're going to want to have their most popular character in the Justice League, so they kind of need to explain it. I'm just saying, like, in terms of like logistically, if I'm on the Justice League and we've got these five members here who are still very much trying to figure out how to work as a team, I'm not going to be like, yo, let's keep expanding our roster to add in cool. people we don't need because we already have somebody who can do all this. I guess there's strength in numbers and shit. But I, like,
2: I, I also think that it kind of comes with like what actually something that Kay was saying and that maybe I'll pick it up and try and translate it into <laughs> into a little bit. You know, like even in Justice League Year One, the concept—the concept of Superman—is not only for what Superman can do; it's that people, there is an intrinsic trust of Superman that there is not for Martian Manhunter. Like the characters within the team first of all, would feel that way. And just the world at large would feel that way. You introduce the Justice League to the world and it's the four of them and Martian Manhunter, people may be very wary of it. You put Superman's stamp of approval on it and put him straightforward front and center and people are, and a vast majority of people become immediately
0: trusting him. It. So it's less about the ability and more about the politics.
2: Within, within story, I think so, yeah. Right, that makes sense. Or at least that's my, my reading of it.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I just, up until reading these, I just was always like, okay, so Martian Manhunter. Oh, you mean Vision Superman. Got it. Yep, that character. Like that's that's all, just always how I had thought of Martian Manhunter until reading this, and honestly, like even by the end of it, I'm like, okay, so Vision Superman, but he's really really depressed about losing everybody he knows.
2: Well, it's kind of funny, like it, and looking at it from like the outside, like meta textual creative thing. It kind, of, you know, I'm sure it also comes from the fact that when Martian Manhunter was created, that was really pre the concept of any kind of shared universe. I'm sure if Martian Manhunter were created even like three or four years later after uh, Barry Allen had been introduced, Hal Jordan had been introduced they wouldn't have given him such superman like powers because in you know in the real world he would he couldn't eclipse superman in popularity even though they had so they probably would have given him different powers or probably would have lessened his powers maybe he wouldn't be able to fly or have the laser eyes or super strength or something
0: it would have been a very interesting retcon and like I, I'm glad that they didn't do it but I could have totally seen it happening where they eventually at some point along the line retconned and just combined Superman and Martian Manhunter and were like yeah Superman is just the way that Martian Manhunter was making himself appear to be more acceptable to the public eye like I could see that happening but at the same time I'm glad that that hasn't happened because I like having the two separate yeah. characters like having that dynamic between the two where Superman was like yo I'm dealing with the same shit get over it and I'm like Superman you're such a dick like
2: see that that that's always an interesting to me. that's an interesting one to me just because the concept of like john jones being the last martian wasn't introduced until like 20 years or so after the character was introduced and that was
0: retconned too exactly
2: like at one point his parents were alive and like he went back to mars and would communicate with people on mars and stuff which is another weird one to me that why it's like they purposely chose to make him more superman like and i've always wondered if the idea with that was to show like a like the idea in whatever creators the creator's minds who decided on it was to show like a more alien superman versus the basically humanized superman
0: well let's also not forget you cannot be a superhero if you have parents or a family They've got to die at some point in your tragic past, so that you can grow up to be Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, uh, any of the Fantastic Four, Flash. I keep also,
3: sitting
2: here trying to think of like, oh no, wait, here's an issue. Here's one right? that's not. I can't no, think of a major also one.
3: like, okay, when when did they? Okay, when did they retcon Martian Manhunter to have his? Be the last Martian. Uh,
2: Basically, sometime in the seventies or the eighties. Okay, here we go. Sometime somewhere in the Bronze Age. Yeah, it was
0: like right before the big retcon that brought us the Justice League Year One and the New Frontier and all that. Okay,
3: well, I think that that weirdly makes sense, just because I, I honestly, I don't know. Like, forgive me, but it's just like I can't help but think of it as like just like like a racial thing, completely to me, just because like. Yeah, why would they make him more like Superman? I like why would they why does one need a more alien Superman? But then at the same time it's like, why wouldn't you have a more alien Superman? Well,
2: I almost wonder, and I'm not sure who did it, and maybe someone who's reading this podcast will like throw us some feedback, hint hint, everybody.
3: They're gonna what? be reading it, they're not gonna be listening. Damn it. Shut up, okay.
2: <laughs> You're reading my words in your brain. Now, um, I, I would almost wonder if maybe Maybe there were, like, stories that creators wanted to tell, especially at that period. If you look into what comics creators in the 70s were into, it's a very, it's some very interesting pharmacological stories that come out of that. But um, maybe that there, there were stories that people wanted to tell portraying, you know, kind of a Superman-like character in a much more alien light that DC and Warner didn't want to tell with Superman.
0: Yeah, that whole dynamic of being the alien who looks like an alien, like, because... Other than that, like, that's the big difference, at least from an Earth person's perspective, not knowing the background of, like, you know, losing the families and all that.
2: Right, which again makes it even more interesting that Martian Manhunter chooses to not look human. He, his you know his superheroic visage could very easily be you know a white male or or whatever or a woman or anything which i think would be an interesting take but that's another story but like he he chooses to look alien which I, i've always wondered like in a in a in like a textual sense if like superman if him and superman have ever had a discussion about that like i'd, lo- I'd love i'd love somebody to write that comic.
0: Well, I think I remember apart from the New Frontier uh, movie, actually, where he was there in his original appearance and had like, there was like a very small like throwaway line about like changing his appearance just enough to be acceptable to them, but also not take away too much of his own concentration while having to deal with like fighting and shit. So like it was kind of like a, a... there's a compromise is the word I was looking for. But yeah, so it was something of a compromise there, but it also like kind of had me wondering like, have we ever really seen what a real like John Jones looks like? Like, cause we see even in like the new 52 thing where they're like, Oh, you're like the ultimate weapon and whatever. And he's like fighting off the whole justice league at once. We find out like, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, that's what he really looks like. He's the ultimate weapon. And that's like, oh, my God, he's been hiding this. The whole No, that's just all in their heads. And I'm like, well, now I don't know what to think. Like, what does he really look like? And I don't think that there's really a good way to know. We just kind of have to accept that, like, when he says this is his true form, that it definitely is. And since he's an empathetic character who doesn't know much about secrets and lies, that he's probably telling the truth. But I just, I just thought that was interesting. One thing that bothered me when I was reading through the, uh, the Martian Manhunter solo titles, though, was that, like, does he have enemies that aren't white Martians? Like, every enemy seemed to just be a white Martian. And, like, I'm fine with superheroes fighting other versions of themselves, like Green Lantern fighting the Yellow Lanterns, or Hulk fighting the Abomination, like, fine. But, like, does he fight anyone who's not a white Martian?
2: Uh, Justice League villains, I guess.
4: Yeah, um, the, the, the who that? The fire, I forget his, like, I forget the person. But he's, it's basically like, you know how fire's his only weakness? Like, there's a villain that, I think it's Scorch or something?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember.
2: I believe that Scorch debuted as a villain for someone else. Yeah, but not, okay, it wasn't And his. was kind of like brought into Martian Man. Yeah. Probably someone was like, oh,
0: common sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
2: I mean, to be fair, that's a problem that plagues a lot of DC characters who aren't, like Superman, Batman or the Flash. They like, share villains. Right, almost everybody else kind of has like that that shared rogues gallery concept. Like even even Superman to some extent like because by their very nature a villain who's fighting Superman has to be so galactic in scale, they usually end up being, you yeah. know, they're usually into Green Lantern's They're usually portrayed, they're the right, they usually or, portrayed yeah. as DC universe wide or Justice League wide threats almost as much as they are Superman. Like really Batman and the Flash are the only ones that have really now have full-time, their own dedicated, you know, literally the Flash,
0: the rogues. and That's actually one thing that I would really like to see, though, for Martian Manhunter, and I think that's, like, why I didn't enjoy his solo titles as much as I do enjoy, like, reading, like, Spider-Man or Batman or X-Men, is, like... And I know that Martian Manhunter hasn't been, like, a super popular character, so he doesn't have, like, a huge amount of solo titles out there, which...
1: 40 books total.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot. And like to have only that many books and try to really have a whole lot of depth and you know to not only the character but also to that character's rogues gallery, to uh, having any kind of like, you know, like how Batman's got his Bat-family and now Spider-Man has Spider-Gwen and Spider-Woman and Miles Morales, there's like a team going on there. And I know Well, there is
2: Miss Martian.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I just would like to see a bigger extension of that, I think. I would like to see more villains that aren't just white Martians. I'd like to see, like, you know, when, when he was rescuing that whole team of Martians, like, there was a very, like, giddy part of me sitting there going, like, oh my god, there's gonna be, like, a whole Martian team just fighting, like, that's gonna be awesome to see all these people fighting alongside each other. And, you know, one thing led to another, and ultimately we didn't really get quite that. We did see a little team up at the end, but I don't know, I I just think that would be so, so cool, and I I think that We need Martian Manhunter to be a much bigger character for that to be a thing, basically. I just want to bring up,
2: because Fabio, you brought it up within conversation. Can we just, can we talk about the fact that fire is his weakness for a second? Absolutely. (laughs) Because I've always thought that that's such a, um, like, especially in its initial conception before, and, you know, I don't know where it stands at the moment if it's been retconned again after the revelation that it was just, that it was more psychological than actually physical. But I've always thought that that is such a great, Like, that that is one of those great classic, like, even pre-Silver Age, because Martian Manhunter does predate the Silver Age, like, one of those crazy, like, comic book weaknesses, you know, a la Green Lantern and Wood, or later Green Lantern and Yellow.
0: I'm glad you brought up the Green Lantern-Wood thing. Because, like, I think that is, like, the perfect example. Green Lantern and Wood or Superman and Kryptonite where it's, like, actually, no, Wood is an, an even better example. You can stand up to literally anything. I could throw a nuclear bomb in your face yeah. and you'd be fine. But God forbid I take a swing at you with, like, a baseball bat or throw, like, a wooden block in your direction. Like,
2: Well, that's, like, the- there's a great... in in Alan Scott Green Lantern's first appearance in um in 1940 or 41 there's like this great scene where he just is totally impervious to bullets and then a guy hits him in the back of the head with like a wooden like a wooden eagle clock and he's just knocked unconscious it doesn't like, make
0: any sense like but I, at least with with um but
2: but think about it, like marsha manhunter it, and it but it's always been an interesting one to me because I always when I was a kid I always kind of took like I always wondered if the if the thought process behind it was like there's no oxygen on Mars, so there's no there's nothing to oxidize fire. Hence, why he would he he would that would be such a humongous threat to a Martian.
1: Well, the fire thing, which probably reconned in the first place, was the original race where the fire were like made out of fire Martians. Huh. So then, when they split them up, that's what they were. I'm not sure if they were both vulnerable to it, but that's what he was. So in that sense, it makes
0: sense. It like works, but
2: oh i I do think it works. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be this, oh yeah, I no, it's I cool. think it
0: I think that's actually of all the superhero weaknesses. I think this is the one that plays off the best because, because it's it, it's an actual threat like if if there's shit on fire, like as a human, a building's burning down, I need to stop and think like, all right, somebody in there is on in danger, like do I value their life more than I value my own? I've got to actually like make a judgment call there in that moment where like. Superman, yes, he's got kryptonite, but, like, who the fuck has kryptonite? It's so rare that it's, like, an extremely valuable metal that no one has, so he never has to really worry about it. Like... Green Lantern with wood like yeah it's a little bit harder to avoid but still could be a pretty easily avoided fire like you know he's got to deal with that and pretty it, much constantly
2: and it's kind of like like to get back to the comparison of him and Superman and being more alien and whatever you know Superman is an alien crash lands on Earth or it's like the equivalent of if Superman had crash landed on a planet that had like a humongous kryptonite reserve like you know on Earth fire is ever fire is human being you know human beings make fire
0: literally every yeah. light bulb is fire
2: right there's combustion there's a chance for combustion everywhere
3: also i don't know if this is like reading too much into it but we're here already also also again this probably wasn't the original intent of giving him the weakness of fire but i like how that weakness has permeated or like not permeated but has thrived in his as his weakness because to me It's funny because you guys all or not all, but like many of you feel that that's the most understandable weakness to have because we all can relate to that. It's like fire is scary. It's everywhere. We can get burned like you can have a high pain threshold. It it wouldn't matter. You could still get like third degree burns and pass out out of the pain and stuff. But to me, the reason why I like that specifically, I guess, from like a writing or creative standpoint that he that fire was the one thing that he was vulnerable to when he's seemingly impervious to everything else, just goes to show how emotionally vulnerable he is. Because that so represents everything that is wrong with how he does things when he, whenever he makes a mistake. Or like whenever he chooses a team or like when whenever he chooses his heart over his head. Like it's of course he does. Of course, fire is what he's vulnerable about because it's something just naturally he can't control. One, two, it's also representative of, of like a really painful memory in his life. So just like on a level of like trauma, that's awful. And three, it's just so because it's like I know like this is getting like a little off, but fire is so like just you know creation and it's you know the beginning of life and it's i don't know to me it's just so interesting that that's what they like something so primal was chosen to be his weakness like as a higher being
2: and it's something so uncontrollable and primal for a character who operates so cerebrally everywhere else that's actually really interesting i've never thought of that before
0: i like what you said there too about like the the fact that it is such a primal thing because like harnessing fire is like literally one of the first things that humanity learned how to do so one of the first things humans could do is the only thing this martian can't handle like i think it helps further that otherization which uh is very interesting
3: because like it's before i mean if we're gonna go with you know what we understand in science right now you know intellectual cognition was not at least not as near, not nearly as advanced as it is now back in the day when we were apes or whatever. But, and like, you know, it's like man created fire and all this shit, like whatever you want to think about it. But it's interesting to me that I feel like instinct and being reactive to things is such a emotional thing versus a cerebral thing. So even though uh, Martian Manhunter's powers are so cerebral, his weakness is that He's instinct, like instinctive emotionally, like his heart is what reacts first, which is so funny because you like we've seen other permutations of aliens who just like don't get it. You know, like Spock, who's just kind of like, I don't understand why you're upset, or like even elves in Lord of the Rings, they're just like, um, it, I don't understand death. What is happening? Like, why is everyone sad? But it's for him, he very much understands all that, but it's so not within the same realm of understanding for us as humans. I would say that's why I think Fire is so like. At first, you're like, really? Mm kind of lame but then when you think about it in context with like everything about his origin it makes so much sense and whoever creatively thought of that even if it was an accident thanks
2: true and then like at a base level like you guys were just bringing up like the the building block of humanity elements of fire it's just it's one of those cool dichotomies like here's you know they, they always use the phrase hyper advanced martian civilization like the this civilization that was not only technologically advanced but societally advanced and they were all you know psionically in each other's heads and whatever but their biggest weakness is something that humanity as neanderthal stumbled upon
0: and yet it still makes so much sense because it's like every other danger he can either let phase through him or he can harden his density so that it can't pass through him and can't harm him you know with the exception of fire because it's not a material thing it's, it's an energy. So there's even, like, sort of a scientific understanding behind it. You can't phase through energy, yeah. which I think is really, really cool. It's, like I said, I think it's the only superhero, like, weakness that really works yeah. well to be, like, the one thing. Like, even watching, like, Unbreakable, when you find out, like, Bruce Willis's one weakness is, like, he can't swim. You're like, so fucking take a swimming lesson, dude. Like, that's not a one weakness. That's you not having enough time on a Saturday to save your life. But this is like, all right, this makes a lot of sense to me. All
3: right, weird side note. Can someone explain to me why Green Lantern can't use yellow things?
2: Original reason, crazy retconned reason, or later crazier retcond reason?
3: All of the above, please.
2: Original reason because yellow was the opposite of green. <laughs>
3: Like be,
0: like literally. Not on the color not wheel. On the
3: color wheel, yeah. <laughs> yep. I was like did know, you take but, an art class? Okay, anyway, yeah. Um, okay, got
2: it. The later reason was that there was a quote unquote yellow impurity built into the into the main power battery on the planet Oa because okay. the Guardians had originally built an army of robots called Manhunters that rebelled hmm. against them and then they had to destroy the Manhunters and of course they didn't fully destroy the Manhunters. Not to be
0: confused with the Martian Manhunter.
2: Yes. So they built—they purposely built an impurity into the power battery so that if the Green Lanterns went rogue there would be a way to stop them the later retcon which is the current reasoning is that there's an emotional there's an emotional spectrum with each color delineating emotions green is will and yellow is fear and they're on the opposite sides of the spectrum each emotional color has its own gigantic guardian, which for yellow was Parallax, which is a giant space bug. The, gre- the guardians of the universe imprisoned Parallax inside the central power battery because that was the only place he could be contained. But because he was in there corrupting the battery, the rings wouldn't work
0: against yellow. So that's that.
3: But what if they were, but statistically men are more likely to be colorblind than women, so. Yeah,
0: but the rings are not, having gender so they don't really recognize those gender boundaries no i
3: get that but it also it's just it's color and
2: also one thing with the the green the rings weren't
0: we got to get back to martian man well, right.
2: <laughs> yellow wasn't a weakness it couldn't originally it, yellow wasn't a weakness it just couldn't affect yellow like it's not like oh my god i'm somewhere that's yellow i'm being weakened it was more like and this literally used to happen in like, nine out of ten how Jordan Green Lantern stories. It happened point.
0: in JLA year one. Yeah. Like, oh, we've got this giant yellow spaceship, and we need the Green Lantern to move it. And Green Lantern's like, uh, until The Flash is like, I'm going to paint this shit gray just because. And Green Lantern's like, oh, thanks, dude. Good save.
3: Why would it be yellow anyway? Like, of all things, like, why would a yellow make you impotent? That is not something that oh, well, I yeah. relate to as much. Okay, the point is, it's it's a it's, inferior tragic flaw.
0: Nobody's disagreeing with that.
3: Okay, so back uh, to the Manhunter. Unless you're
2: Frank Miller, and then you come up with the whole painting. Yeah, of right. LCL could I get
0: you a glass of lemonade?
2: I hate that issue. I could do a whole podcast on all the reasons that issue makes no sense.
0: One thing I did really like about the Justice League year one, though, was, and, and I don't know what, that came out in what, 87? Uh,
2: 98. 98,
0: okay. I was way <laughs> off. But well, either they, way, it Came it out was, way after yeah. Watchmen, though.
2: Yeah, it yes. was eighty-seven. Was when they first retconned the idea that Black Canary replaced Wonder Woman, and they let it sit for a long time. And people tried to make how to make sense of it. So then they did the JLA Year One miniseries. As as an explanation of the formation of the Justice
0: Well, it worked really well. And what I was particularly, or what particularly struck me, was that while reading through this and seeing, you know, the Justice League and the uh, Justice Society and how the Justice Society was like ultimately leading to the Justice League and like Black Canary's mother was in the Society and now Black Canary's, there was just so many parallels to Watchmen and how the different generations were working. And I thought that was really really cool. I I don't know. Well, I
2: think it's cool because it's almost it becomes like a feedback loop.
0: Like Alan Moore did Watchmen and
2: based so much of that on real comic book history and what really happens. Like like silk, like the concept of Black Canary's mother and the Black Canary daughter. That was it's exactly
0: Silk Spectre, right? And
2: that was something that was introduced in the '60s as their way to try and bring. To try and explain how there could be a Black Canary of Earth 2, and then her daughter comes over to Earth 1. So Alan Moore took that and took, you know, just the elements of 40s characters being more pulp characters and then moving into the Atomic Age, and, you know, we could discuss Watchmen forever. And he took those real elements that really happened with comic books and with the characters, and even with the Justice League, there's a lot of similarities, did Watchmen, and then fast forward 10 years, and to retell the origin of the Justice League, they're kind of inter. It, taking elements of Watchmen which in turn were taking elements of the previous history of the Justice League it's it's very cool like temporal loop kind of deal
0: yeah but everything keeps building and expanding right making things work in different ways it was really really cool though getting to you you even see a picture of the original Justice Society at one point and you can almost look right at that picture and the pictures of the uh, first group of Watchmen the Minutemen, Minutemen yeah and just go back and forth like okay there's the hood and there's the Silk Spectre and that right there John Jones is definitely, you know, Dr. Manhattan and like it, it was just very very cool to uh to see that. I I had never realized that uh connection really existed before.
2: That would be an awesome like conversation again. It could never happen, but that would be a great conversation to read like some writer much more talented than I writing, like John Jones and Dr. Manhattan have a conversation on the surf- on the surface of Mars. Right. <laughs> like building the giant glass uh, <laughs> He glass just interrupts
0: uh, Manhattan's conversation with the Silk Spectre Excuse me, you're building giant glass castles on my on planet my house What's like going it? on here? <laughs> um, we're actually uh, getting very close to the uh, end of our podcast here We've, uh, We may as well go around and sort of wrap it up, so my last major question for everyone and I think this is a good question to go around and have everyone share their opinion on is, do you feel like Martian Manhunter is an effective solo character, and why is he what we would consider to be an underrated character? So, give everyone a moment to mull over that, and then Kay, whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and start.
3: Well, before I answer, when you say solo character, do you just mean that he would come out with something that's under his own title, or yeah,
0: yeah, just like having his own like, solo songs, titles?
3: That sans, you know, any team. Of any kind, I feel like, I mean, to be fair, I guess I I feel I'm one of those people that thinks, especially in creativity, anything is possible if you just do it. So, if anyone did a a solo piece with uh or like if someone, what am I trying to say? An effective solo piece for Martian Manhunter to me would have a lot to do with his. It would it would be interesting because I would like to see that actually. I don't I don't know if that really answers your question because it doesn't really say whether it like if it could happen or if it's possible. I would like to think it's possible. So this is under the precedence that it, it's possible because I would really want to see something like that because I think we all brought up really good points during the podcast about how one of the greatest things about him and maybe one of the weakest things about him as a character that sticks anyway, is that he's a team player. And I think he can exist and be written really well on his own if someone took the time to do it. Whether someone will, I don't know. But I believe that he has enough of a development as a character or has had enough permutations that he probably could. And he is underrated purely because, well, he's just purely underrated in general, but also underrated because it's really easy to see adaptive characters like that who are team players just kind of always be there, you know? So I think that he's painfully underrated, actually. Gotcha. Bob,
0: what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's one of my favorite characters anyway. So I just think all the complexities he has with his origin and what he, he tries to deal with, his morality, his his thinking, Um, he's he'd be a great... I mean, they they have the solo comic now that's still relatively new. So hopefully they'll expand on that. And just because he's a DC superhero, um, he's been in the Just League doesn't mean it has to be like all the same. It doesn't mean he has to. It could be him battling with his emotions and fighting whatever he wants. It doesn't have to be fighting major villains, although that would be. Some nice breakups. I just think, yeah, I think there's a lot to work with and it doesn't have to be conventional material. I don't think it should be conventional material with him. I think the reason why he's not popular is because he's overshadowed by Superman and put, like, he's not in every Justice League for some reason, even though he is, like, kind of one of the founding members. But sometimes I just feel like cutting him out, which is, I don't know, it's weird. They have a weird, he has a weird relationship in the DC universe. And I think that's why he's not as popular as he should be.
3: Basically, everyone sucks and they need to write better shit. Also, uh, I did write an article
1: for ComicsVerse. It was called Life on Mars, and it does delve into um, the origins of the the Martian race and humans' curiosity of of their life. So you guys could check that out on their website. Nice. Robert Franco, not Bob. Woohoo!
0: Bob out. Fabio, what do you think?
4: all right well i personally think that yes he can definitely work as a solo but like Kai said someone just needs to put the effort in and like you said come up with some new villains not don't make it all just white martians Ace he's fighting all the time and but for me personally i well i think a solo can work better i like him better as a team and i think he likes it better when he's part of a team because he just likes that collective unit and i think he plays off well with other people depending on who writes for him but i think yeah we can do like bob said we can definitely bring like really delve into like him battling his own emotional demons because of who he is and it should definitely be unconventional because he's such an unconventional character and different, there's a lot to work with. They just need to put that in there. They just going to put the effort. Brian.
2: i um i kind of really fabio kind of stole a out of my thunder there i mean I think, I think first of all i never want to say that a character can only work a certain way because I, I always believe that it's down to the creators you know I, I think that any character can have a great story told about them be it solo or part of a team or whatever that said i think martian manhunter works best as part of a team and i think it's interesting like uh, from a lot of our conversation i didn't even come into this podcast with this thought in mind as to why but so much of the character is built around being alien obviously being different that within his own book it's hard to show that because you have no one for him to play off of like he maybe you have random characters or or a supporting cast but it's tougher with a supporting cast because then it's like, oh, do they know his identity who are they whatever whereas within the justice league he very he very well fits into that concept of the alien the and you can play all the things that are alien about him and alien about his personality. I mean, as for why he's underrated, I think, it's a, I think it's a shame. And I wish that, you know, speaking of comic book things, I wish that there was a way to go back in time and maybe change his power set so that it wasn't so similar to Superman. Because I think, unfortunately, in a, you know, in a, Outside the text sense, you know, Superman is the flagship of DC Comics. So a character who has a power set so similar to Superman, then with an origin that's similar, that's been retconned to being similar to Superman, they're kind of always going to get shuffled off to the side because you can't have somebody approaching or surpassing Superman within the narrative.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, um, I think that as a solo character, at least based on what we've read today, I would say that. Brave New World I don't think was the most effective use of him in terms of a solo series. He does work very well in a team dynamic. I'm hesitant to say that he's ineffective as a solo character, but I would say that I don't think I've seen him used very effectively. I like what I saw from the New 52, and I think that actually... If they're going to continue in that sort of direction, then we can actually reconcile some of the issues that we have with him in his own solo title. If they can somehow keep his personalities into four separate pieces like that, and then each of them can be sort of one part of this team, and that team is John Jones. I think that would be a really interesting dynamic going forward to continue to explore. And I mean, we've already seen individual pieces of his personalities take on their own Martian forms, so to have four individual Martian forms that can all unite and become one John Jones, I think is a very, very cool dynamic going forward. Yeah, very, very similar to Captain Planet, yeah. I think that one thing they could do... Um, Also to keep that sort of other alienization going on is to have a character much like uh, Ricky for the Hulk you know you've got a character who is human who's grounded in human society who um rick barnes right yeah
2: i was gonna say is there a new 52 version of snapper car i don't know if there is but that i, I be yeah a i don't think we've uh car.
0: seen one so far i think the closest that we have is that little girl that the uh the subconscious personality was with they had that sort of frankenstein like that scene frankenstein and the little girl in the classic movie like that sort of dynamic going on but like I feel like she's too young for there to really be that sort of dynamic working effectively as far as the alienization and showing how unfamiliar he is with this world. But I think that there is a lot of potential there if they bring in a character who can be that straight like human character and if they can maintain this dynamic because I think like even seeing an argument between like the heart and the head. That's like something that could be really, really cool if they do that going forward. And you still have the subconscious who just wants the biscuits and looks like an alien. Like, I think that there's a lot that they can do with that. And I hope that they continue that going forward. Like, I thought that was a very interesting dynamic. And now that they've introduced it, I want to see them play with that. I don't want them to be like, this is a thing we did. And now John Jones is all back together. So I just want to see that continue. As far as whether or not this character is underrated or why he's underrated, I think that he gets overshadowed, like you said, by Superman. He has a very similar skill set. But I think that there's a lot more going on under the surface of this character than there is going on under the surface of Superman. And that's why I would say, at least for me personally, I think Martian Manhunter is the far more interesting character to read. I would say that it almost feels like Martian Manhunter is... Kind of like a better written Superman in ways. So yeah, that's sort of my thing. Anybody else have any final thoughts?
1: I just wanna put out there that he's also when he's not in the Avengers, they usually put him in the outsiders. I think that's he's never
0: point. been in the Avengers. <laughs>
1: I mean, uh shit. <laughs> Justice League. Uh, the Justice League, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Marvel's gonna sue. <laughs>
0: Who came first, Oops. though, Vision or uh, Martian uh, Manhunter? Martian Manhunter. Okay. okay. So then DC needs to be suing. <laughs> yeah, but DC can't collectively get stuff. out of their own way. Right.
1: DC could sue a lot if that was the
4: case. I know. <laughs> they came with everything first, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it's true. So again, we want to remind you to check out ComicsVerse uh, across all the different social medias, Facebook, Google, Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, listen to the podcast. If you've listened to it on SoundCloud, go listen to it again on iTunes. Maybe a third time on Spreaker. And
2: And if you do listen to it on iTunes, rate and review, please.
0: Yes, please do. Leave comments. Let us know what we're doing good. Let us know what we're doing bad. Argue with us. Tell us we're wrong. We're going to tell you that you're wrong. What
3: we're doing well.
0: Yeah, what we're doing well. We want to hear it all. So make sure that you leave us some feedback and we will definitely respond. We've got people monitoring that stuff around the clock. But as always, uh, this is ComicsVerse. And uh, let's just go around and sign off real quick, guys. Let's leave it uh, on a high note here. Uh, So I'm Travis
3: I'm Kay I'm Bob I'm Fabio I'm Brian And And this this is is Comics Comics First Get that green dick though
0: What'd she (laughs) say?
2: Watch out for yellow